let's bring the heat, baby! Brand new episode of Terribly Funny coming at you, gang. How'd you like that for an intro? Weird, right? Yeah, me too. I thought so. Um, hi! It's me, your pal, your friend, Steve Bazelone, and this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Today, we've got a great guest. He's a gentleman I've known for a very long time. He's always been just the sweetest to me. Yes, that is Duncan in the background. He is barking. Barking a lot today for some reason, but I'm just rolling through it because the point of this podcast is sometimes life's messy. Sometimes uh, people die, and sometimes your dog just barks through your intro. Anyways, let's keep going. Today, <laughs> we have a great guest. Uh, he's an amazing, amazingly talented director. His name is Payman Benz. What can I tell you about Payman? Uh, outside of being just a stand-up menschy dude, he's also done, uh, his resume reads like a dream. He's done episodes of Angie Tribeca, Great News, Making History, Son of Zorn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, Teachers, oh yeah, and also Last Man on Earth, and Key and Peele. The guy has had a hell of a run, and he deserves it because he's uh, talented and just the sweetest. And today, Payman's going to talk to us about, oh, all sorts of shit. Uh, he's going to talk to about talk to us about what it's like to flee Iran as a child, when his whole family had to flee there. He's also going to talk to us about uh, facets of identity, namely, what it's like to choose a new name for yourself. That's interesting, and I think uh, a bizarre thing that most of us don't have to do. So I think that's a, a fascinating little chat. He's also going to talk to, uh, talk to us about what it's like to lose your best friend. My that best friend happens to be your dog. Um, so that's why it's, I guess it's appropriate for Duncan to be barking through the background of this. Um, anyways, we're going to get to that in just one second. But before we do, let me say this. Hey, friends. Do you like this show? I hope you do. If you do, tell all your friends, man. Be a one-man uh, PR team for this show. Or, you know, if you don't feel like it, you can just keep on listening. And that also warms my heart. But if you are feeling sassy and you want to tell a bunch of people, go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe. Also, you can tweet about us. We're terribly underscore funny. You can check us out on Instagram and repost our shit. It's Terribly Funny Podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures of me and my very uh, attractive guests there. Also, sometimes pictures of uh, the little pooch uh, barking in the background. And if you want to drop me a line, you can do so at Terribly Funny Podcast at gmail uh, i genuinely love to hear from you uh, there's a few messages i've yet to get back to i've been swamped with a bunch of things but i'm gonna get back to you i promise because i love it when you write to me uh anyways that's all that that's done the medicine has gone down it's very smoothly gave you a spoonful of sugar which was duncan barking and now we're gonna get to the good stuff here it is the main course payment bends talking about all sorts of interesting things here we go another episode of you know, it's funny because when you asked me, I like I was thinking I've been very fortunate in life, and like I, you know, my my parents are still around, my mom's parents are around, my dad's mom passed when he was a kid, so I didn't really I didn't know her. Right. His dad passed when I was like a kid, like a teenager, like young. I was like twelve, but I didn't like we were close, but we weren't that close. Right, and he right. was like in Iran at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my family escaped Iran during the revolution, like a literal escape. Like we had a guy usher us. I was like, well, that's kind of a terrible thing, but yeah. it was like a happy ending to it. No, it's like, a great thing, but also, we, well, how old are you? I was four. So uh, it's like, how much How much of it, is it just flashes, or do you remember it all, a lot of stuff? I the, From that journey, very little, because they would give me sleeping pills and carry me for most of it. That so, makes sense. Yeah, so basically, to, to back up, so I was born in 78, but my family was and still is very close to the Shah's family. Mm-hmm. So, like, the guy that was in control, like, our, my family was very wealthy in Iran at the mm-hmm. time. At the time. And then uh, this new 
Dick came in and manipulated everyone and made it seem like he was like the answer to all their problems and look at all these like this progressive world. It's very common to, uh, similar to what's happening here right now. Yeah, that's how it and, always happens. Yeah, and all these people went with him and the country just kind of lost their mind for a couple years and we were essentially bad guys at that point. It turned right. where we were like, well, we're tied to that guy. We got to get out. They basically stole everything from our family. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. I know two people that have like um, very similar stories. Really? Like, that their families were like a woman that I work with, like her family, like made the manufacturing for like all all any soda bottles. Oh, geez! Like in the world, or some something crazy. Like her family, like yeah, we made we made all of everything that Coke does. We made that. It's like what? Oh my god! And then like then it was just and then it's take yeah, got like there's if the government ever flips back, which. You know, maybe one day they have a big youth mm-hmm. population, and it's there, there's a rumbling happening very quietly there. Like it almost happened in, I think it was June of 2011 when they had a big, like all the stuff was happening in the streets right, there, but it just right. wasn't organized. Like they almost did it. If they ever do, my my family's gigantic. The amount of land we own there is like ungodly, right. but we just can't get it. My dad's gone back to try to negotiate for it, and they're like, we're not, you're not getting it. So everybody left in 78 so even when I was six months old we all left and then like like a year or something later one of his buddies and like everyone migrated mostly to the Silicon Valley of Northern mm-hmm. California and then what so, was that just your family or just in general my whole family like cousins mm-hmm. uncles I don't know why they cho- I actually still don't know why they right. chose there and like no the tech wasn't really happening yeah. and no one was in tech they couldn't even speak the language yeah. so um so then, like, my dad missed home, and then, like, one of his buddies was like, hey, it's cool down. You can come back. So then we were the only ones that went back, and then we went from living in, like, this crazy giant mansion with, like, high gates and, like, guards and mm-hmm. this – my mom had a pet deer. Like, we had an opulent lifestyle. Wow. A pet deer. And a pet deer. That's pretty chill. Uh, and I don't think it was in the house, but she had a deer on sure. the property. And to then, like, living in this little apartment on the outskirts of some little city where no one knew where we were – and my whole time in Iran, I honestly, I think there's like six flashes I remember. Really? Like just moments. Like, I don't, rem- it's so weird. It's like, I, I, f- I thought of a new one recently and I got really excited. I was like, oh huh. shit, I remember being in like preschool. I remember this moment where we were all playing outside. But, um, is it like the moments, so I'm interrupting, but like yeah. the, uh, the moments where they like the, um, the boyhood moments in which like his his intention was like I don't want to show the high school graduation because that's what you always see him. Yeah, so I'm yeah, showing like another moment that is just like for whatever reason mundane that's in there. Yeah. like super like I remember when we eventually left someone came to look at the apartment and I was on the ground watching cartoons eating cereal and I remember just looking back and seeing my mom giving a tour of the apartment to this lady hmm. That's like a really lame thing to remember out of like no, four years yeah. in Iran. Like yeah. I'm like, that's the one I remember. But so then we, so we went back and then basically they figured out we were back and we right. had to get the hell out. And my parents woke me up at like in the middle of the night. That's one thing I remember. They woke me up and I had jungle book wallpaper. Mm-hmm. I remember that moment. And they were like, we're going to your aunt's house. And I knew she lived in England and I was mm-hmm. like, what, why are we going to like another country? Uh. And we had like a guy that was essentially a coyote. It was a guy who Jesus. like, it was my brother. My brother was nine, I was four. Uh-huh. And then my parents who were like, you know, in their early thirties at that time. My dad, I think was like 32, 33. And maybe a little younger, I'm, I'm maybe getting it wrong. And uh, and then this man, and it was like this bus to this train, to the back of this car, to hiding in this truck, to hiking. And like, 
they had this giant jar of water that we would refill whenever we can, but they would save the water for my brother and I. They would just do like little sips. Right. And they would carry me because I had the sleeping pills. Yeah. And then the one thing I remember from that journey is at some point, like we lived in a very metropolitan, you know, it was like a city in Tehran. Right. But when, at one point we were on the outskirts of somewhere in Iran where it was just sand. It was desert. And there was train tracks that would go through. And anytime we heard a train, we would lie down and cover ourselves with sand to hide. And the train would go by. Jesus. And then we'd wait like two minutes and go up. That's like the one thing I actually remember from that. So then we got out of Iran. Then we did like a victory lap in Europe. Like we just vacationed Europe because we were like, we got out. And like, yeah, and also like it was, we just survived a crazy thing. Yeah, they would have, I mean, we were, it, they would have killed all of us. Like it would have been no doubt. And if we would have stayed there, I, you know, the young boys have to go to the military. Mm -hmm. I would have been the first guy dead. I would yeah. have been like trying a bit and then like someone would have shot yeah. me. Yeah. And, uh. And then we went around Europe and then we lived in London for, I, I don't know how long it was with my aunt until we got like a visa to, to be able to go to the Bay Area. And then we, we got to the Bay Area in uh, November of 82. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we were there ever since. But it was like this, I'm, I'm learning more about the journey. Like they're talking about it more now. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I've been more curious. Like I didn't really, I, it's something I never thought about until sure. like... Somebody asked me where I was born like a few years ago. Right. I told them and they were like, wait, what? There's like a story here. You need to find out. Yeah. And then, so yeah, I've been trying to find well, out more. It's that's, crazy. Does your brother remember more because he was like, five years older? I think he remembered. Yeah. He definitely yeah. remembers more. Um, but like, that's, that's literally all I've pieced together at this point. Cause what I want to do at some point is get all the info and then like right. give it to a dramatic writer to be like, is there something here? I don't yeah. know the ending yet, but like there's, the journey is insane to come right. over and like, my parents are business owners. My brother is a business owner. Like we all like, had like the American dream happened for yeah, us. Like yeah. it's crazy. Like we're essentially political refugees, right? Um, and came here not knowing anything about the culture. Wow. Like I watched Sesame Street all weekend, my first weekend here. And on Monday, when I went to the grocery store with my mom, I was able to translate for her. Wow! And like. I knew how to say lettuce. I knew how to say like apple, like all. So like she would want something, and I was like, oh well, that one big yellow bird thing said this. And like it was That's fascinating. So, yeah, it was. I absorbed it like super quick. But I was four. Like you, yeah, you're pick just up, a sponge at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Is there something that like just um, in terms of uh, realizing like, oh, I am a I am a privileged idiot and you think about like your dad or your parents when they were like 29 or 30 or 31 or 30 and they had to do this with two kids yeah dude it, and like you, I mean look we've, we've all had our shit everybody yeah. has their shit but like not that that's a different level and every yeah. year on Father's Day I put the same post and it's and I go when my father was 33 I'm pretty sure it was 33 he did oh no it was he converted the Jesus so, age yeah the yeah. Jesus age yeah. so he and also the Jose Canseco jersey number mm -hmm. age uh, of course also right, right. Uh, those are the two best things uh, that's yeah, ever happened yeah ever yeah. they're both JC's mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I do this post where I'm like when my dad was 33 he led his wife and sons on this journey escaping the country he loved because it was no longer a safe place and he wanted to take you know give them a better life and blah blah, blah. and I realized at that same age I shot a sketch for this group called The Midnight Show where people made out with dogs uh, in uh -huh. slow motion and we did a lot of it and, and it was unpaid. I didn't get paid for it and I stayed up three nights editing that thing and like, I was like, that's my thank you to my dad. Like at the same yeah. age that I did, there's like no courage in me whatsoever. Like that's what I did. It's like, 
But also, yeah. isn't that kind of like the ultimate thank you in a way? That like, <laughs> yes, so. look, like this thing that, that your dad went through <laughs> yeah. with like with the whole family and on the run and hiding under sand. Right. Allowed you to make a video at 33 for no money <laughs> for, for no people money. make out with dogs. Wait, like, and like the any- most banal art. <laughs> are just ridiculous thing. Yeah. Like, that's the height of luxury, it right? It really is. And also, because in Iran, they like people like don't like dogs. Like, that's not like a thing. You know, it's like gross to have a uh-huh. dog. And then I did the complete opposite. It's like I had people make out with yeah. dogs. I mean, that's like, it's, I guess that's a double-edged sword because it's like a little bit like, what am I doing with my life? But the other side is like, how lucky am I that I get to do this? <laughs> yeah. Right? This is fun. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is my job. Yeah. This is going to lead to a house one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, but a I, yeah. house that bestiality builds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should definitely get that side made. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so that's that was, like, the first part of my life was that. Like, wow. Yeah, it's insane. And w- so is it, like, a thing where, I know, like, you said you didn't, like, never thought about it, but when you ask them, is there any sort of... Um, reticence to talk about it is it like nah, or is it just like you know what I'm done with that or are they open it's just never no, they're, been cracked I think they're open it. I just haven't cracked it right. I think it's also you know I don't know what it is like sometimes there's a, I feel like I need to like go up there and visit them for like a week and just like every night be like for an hour be like tell me everything yeah. because I'm like it's it's the even now talking to you it's like it's every time I talk to someone about it I'm realizing how much crazier it is because it's just this reality that was in my life that like I don't have memories of so right. like the, the gravity of it is just not I don't understand how big it is until I like talk about it I'm like oh my god like that's crazy that they did this yeah. like this guy we were like hiding in truck because they I mean we would have been goners like yeah. they like my my par- so that was 82 my dad went back for the first time in 2003 Jesus. We didn't become citizens until 2003. It took 21 years really? for us to become citizens, which was crazy. There was something happened where we had a guy doing it for us, and then, like, he screwed up, and, right. like, it backed us up. But it's also, like... It's bureaucratic tape, but there's, like, one misfire. Like, well, that's another five years. And if anything politically happened with Iran, we'd right. get bumped down the list. But it was insane, because, like, none of us had committed a crime. We were, my parents were business owners. Right. I was a college graduate. My brother was... Like... We were model citizens. Yeah. Like, nothing had ever happened. And, like, we still took us 21 years to oh. get a freaking American passport. Yeah. And, um, but then he went back and said it was fine. But then my mom went back with him, like, a year or two later. And it was her first time back. And she got interrogated at the airport. And they oh. were like, look who's back. Like, they knew exactly who she was. Oh, shit. And they were like, are you enjoying Western life? And this, and she was like, they're never going to let me go. Like, she thought, like, they were going to put her in prison. Like, it was that scary. But then it's one of those things I think they were just bluffing because, like, what could they really do? If they put her there, then it becomes a big international incident yeah. and whatever. But it was like, that. I will literally never go back. Even, yeah. if, even if the government flips... And it goes 50 years of it being, like, nice again. Like, I mean, it is a nice country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's a part of me deep down that's like, we had to leave that place, screw that place. I don't want to ever go to that sure, again. Man. I just have, like, a resentment towards the government. Not the, the people there are great. I mean, there are people there that, you know, when you see those clips of people, like, chanting death to America in the mm-hmm. 80s, that was not, like, now that country, if you look at 
that country. It's majority youth, and they look like anyone in Westwood. Yeah. Like they wear like diesel jeans, and they're all wearing Nikes, yeah. and like they like worship Americans mm-hmm. in Iran. They can't say that publicly, but sure. they like well, Amer- Americana yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, they're like way into it, and like the music and movies and all that stuff. It's there, but there's still like this, you know, their version of the right wingers that are these, you know, crazy Islamic guys who like just hate anything Western. It's not even about America. It's like anything Westernized. And these are the people that live like in the mountains. Like they're they're not the ones that live in the cities. Um, But somehow they have the loudest voice because it's like, well, this is the scariest thing happening. And it's it's, the, not, it's also more interesting in a backwards way. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, well, it's also safer for them to say anything. Like, sure, when they because like to the, even though it's not technically illegal to this day, if there's a party, and by party I mean like literally just a bunch of twenty year olds at home watching a movie, right? Guys and girls, they w- the cops will randomly break in and and arrest everyone just because guys and girls are hanging out together. And it's arbitrary. Like, yeah. sometimes they'll do it, sometimes they don't. So it's just this life of confusion and, like, what's okay, what isn't. Where the like, ground's just constantly shifting. Yeah, Where constantly. The, like, like the, the, the goal line is always moving. Yeah. yeah. Like, Bourdain did an episode in Iran of mm-hmm. his show last year, which was amazing. And it was really weird to watch. It was weird to watch a Bourdain episode where... I understood the language that people were speaking, right, like which right. was. I felt the same way with Argo, where I was like, "I'm the only person in this wow. theater that knows what these that people are cool. saying." Yeah. Um, but uh, he was like interviewing people, and they were talking about how great life is there. And like one of them, they were like, "Yeah, like a month later, that guy got arrested because he was like talking to him just just because he was just participating yeah. in like Western culture." And like no one knew that was an issue. They mm-hmm. wouldn't interview him if he knew that. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a weird place. It wow. just doesn't have a. Because there's a rumbling happening there. You could feel it. Something is boiling. But I don't know what that tipping point is. I don't know right. when it's going to happen. They just, they really need their, somebody who, I mean, the problem is if anyone has opposition, they'll just take them out. Like, right. that's the problem. They just take them out so fast. And we can't have our military go in there. That's not going to fix anything. No. So it's just too uh, much of a fever pitch. No. We've done that a thousand times. It doesn't work. It's not uh, great. No, it's not a good look. So, yeah, but I'll never, there's no way I'll go back, like, ever. I mean, I get that. I mean, like, I don't know, there's a part of me uh, that, like, there's the, the curiosity side of me. I mean, look, I have no ties to Iran at all, but there's a curiosity. Like, yes, it's like a, a bit of a powder keg. And, right. Uh, it's very mixed in many ways, but, like, there's a curiosity. Like, I want to see everything. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also, like... I've been to a restaurant and gotten food poisoning. I'm like, fuck that. Never going back there. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, that could happen anywhere. Totally. So, like, I understand, like, that's the worst parallel. No, but I get it. It's like, like, yeah. all right, well, fuck, they, this has done myself or my family harm. Right. It's not a safe place. I shouldn't support this, even if it's, like, my roots in many ways. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. I had it. There was, like, a, my buddies and I won, like, this YouTube sketch contest back in, like, 2007. Sure. And I got contacted by this someone who was writing for the Iran Times which mm-hmm. is this newspaper that's global mm-hmm. and she's like hey I'd love to interview you because you're part of this group that won and you're Iranian blah blah and you were born in Iran she was like really excited and then I just you know my, it was the first time anyone ever asked to interview me so that was already like right. you know I'm just a guy making sketches online 
And then I was like, sure, um, but I don't want to answer any questions about the Iranian government because I don't one I don't know much about it right now, and two I have relatives there right now. I mean, they're at that. I don't think they're. I think they passed away at this point, but it was like a, so, a great uncle yeah. or whatever. There was some people. I was like, I'm not. I don't. I just don't want to talk about that if that's okay. And I didn't think it was going to be an issue. Yeah. And she was like. As a journalist who writes for this thing, I have to ask those questions. And I talked to my father, and my father's wow. like, do not do it. What is what was the sticking point? I mean, like it feels like it's a it's a entirely different Yeah, and I was, that's, that's what I told her. Like, I thought you were interviewing me because like we won this like sketch contest. Yeah. She goes, Yeah, but because you're an Iranian American and you were born there, I wanna like ask these questions. I was like, for the safety of the people yeah. that are, like my family I can't do that and then she was like I have to do it and I was like well I don't know I can't do the interview yeah. and I had to decline it um, but it was it was it's just it's a weird thing I mean now it's at a point where I'll you know I, I talk about it now and it's like right. no big deal uh, but at that time it was really scary and that was before that almost revolution right. we had so right. it was things were things were weird at that time in the country uh, it's crazy it's still crazy to think I was born there like it's it's bizarre to me. Yeah, that's a really. I mean, look, I think like everybody has complicated uh, um, relationships with their home in, right. in any way. Like whenever I drive by the house that I was raised in, it's like, oh, this feels weird. There's a <laughs> yeah. weird intangible. Yeah, yeah. That's everybody. And like I just had a normal fucking childhood. My parents divorced, but otherwise normal childhood. You right. know what I mean? But like that's got to be just the most tumultuous thing it's crazy yeah even when I go to the Bay Area it feels weird but I don't yeah. have any like weird resentment toward it we didn't yeah. have to like leave the Bay Area um, so yeah it is it's weird to like it's also it's been tough you know when people are like oh like they ask me a question about my culture and I don't know much because as a kid part of my that resentment towards the country ended up like translating into me resenting the culture and sure. it made me that like not sense. I didn't and I was like I came here and I was like this place is awesome like I like America way more mm-hmm. like they don't make you do this they don't like arrest people for no I mean they do but they don't like it's not the same as over there a big talking bird teaches me about lettuce yeah it's exactly. fucking chill man. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, so I like immediately loved it here and it just in turn it was like it's this versus that and I reject that mm-hmm. um, and only now I realize there's there are things in my culture that 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 I do I have taken on subconsciously without knowing. Like, I mean, everybody kind of does it. Like, you offered me drinks and you sure. got me this coffee. But there's this thing with Persians when you come to the house, they just want to feed you everything. Yeah, and like, sure. anyone comes to my house, I'm immediately in the kitchen being like, I need like ten things on the table right. for them to be right. washing on. Um, well, it's like a, is that just like a, a learned thing from your parents probably, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's very much like there's there's this word uh, in Farsi called tarof. And tarof is like – it's like if you go to someone's house, you come – you don't want to come empty-handed. Mm-hmm. So like my parents literally in their – they have this fridge in the garage that has all these like box chocolates. So they just in case they go to someone's house and they don't have time to go to the store. Yeah. We got to have something. You got to like show up. Like I had an aunt who like showed up at like a na- – we like we we were playing baseball in the streets and our we were with a tennis ball and the ball went into someone's backyard. Mm-hmm. My aunt wanted to help us go get the ball and she like brought a plate of grapes to like just to ask. Yeah, it was like it's such a over overreaching. Like oh here you go. I just want to yeah. like give you this. I want to give. I want to feed. Like um, that. I realize I've taken that on without even realizing that it was like well, that's a lovely yeah. facet of a culture too. You know, kind of the it, it bring it to your life. I feel like. Yeah. Um, not the same thing at all, but like as much as I grew up, I'm from Pittsburgh. As much as I grew up being like, we're East Coast. 
like I remember going to see uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, not Lollapalooza, uh, Warp Tour. Okay. And the Bouncing Souls punk band played, and they were like, they had a song called East Coast Fuck You. <sighs> and they're like, Pittsburgh, is that? I guess it's kind of East Coast. And the entire audience is like, we're East Coast. <laughs> but now, like, I'm like, yeah, it's close to, Pennsylvania's close to the shore, but we are also, Pittsburgh is 15, 20 miles from Ohio. It's right. like very Midwestern <laughs> in terms of attitude. So, yeah. like, every time I do this, I have like the same nature. Like you came, like I have nice coffee. Like if I go to right. somebody's house, like I bring another coffee, or like here's a bottle of wine. It's just like this. It's a very ingrained. Yeah. Because that's like a Midwestern thing. Like no, we show up with stuff. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh man, Pittsburgh. I didn't realize you were from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. The Steel City, or yeah. the former Steel City. Now it's like all medicine and tech, more or less. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, tech kind of took every city over. Yeah. This. Yeah, which is good though. It's like because it was a dying city for a long time, or not a dying city, but like it lost its major industry, and it was just like people grow up there and then have to go elsewhere for jobs. Right, right, right. Um, but now people are staying because there's a lot of jobs, That's and great. it has an Ace Hotel. It's becoming very. Oh, cool. they have an Ace Hotel. Yeah. Oh man, okay. That's like a weird metric. I'm like, yeah. all right, <laughs> that's all a right, big man. step. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Does that? Do you feel like that is like something as much as like it's not was not really a part of your childhood really and like you just remember flashes of like oh my mom's giving a tour of this apartment right. do you feel like there's certain levels like how much do you I, if, if, does it define your identity because there's like certain things you can't um, you mean uh, like being from Iran yeah and just like also like the fact that like you were what in your uh, uh, early 20s before or uh, early 20s before you get actual citizenship yeah even though this is your home right um I don't know, man. I honestly like felt. It may, I feel like maybe that's something I'm gonna pick up as I go along. Right. I still feel like I'm like the worst Persian. I'm like the less Persian, the least Persiany Persian you're ever gonna yeah. meet. Like, I'll meet other Iranians here and there, and they start. Sometimes they'll talk Farsi, and when I realize is like. We talked it in my house, but we it was like a mix of English. Like sure. literally in one sentence, you're doing both languages, and. You know, uh, you know, just like in in any language, children speak it one way. Adults have different, you know, sure. more evolved words, and you're not using like you're not using the same words a kid does. My Farsi is basically like what an eleven year old would do. So, like right. when I speak to like adults, half the words I'm like, I have no idea what this guy just right, said. Right, right. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I'm not a very good Persian. I'm trying to now. I'm trying to embrace it a little more, but it's still like. It's hard, man. There's still resentment. There's still mm -hmm. a part of me that's like, no, man, I'm an American. This is where I'm from. Yeah. Like, this is the place that, like, if I, like, I'm alive, I would not be alive there. If yeah. I, I, there's no way I would have survived Iran. I just know something would have happened because yeah. I'm, an, you know, I'm an idiot and something would have something happened. Like, like, hey, I got an idea. Let's all make out with dogs and I'll film it. Like, nah, yeah. man, you're going to jail. I would have been like, I want a pet dog. And they're like, you're going to yeah, die. No, We're going to hang you bro. in the streets because you want a dog. Um, which actually, even honestly, getting a dog uh, felt like a rebellion yeah. of of that culture because yeah. it was uh, in my, like I got my dog when I was uh, what was I twenty two. No one in my family had a dog, extended wow. family included. Now there's like nine, ten dogs in sure. the family, but Great that was like, 
I like it's funny. It was like he he made an impact on the family, and then all of a sudden, like everybody was getting dogs. That's like, I know it feels like maybe like a small thing, but isn't that fucking cool? That you, like the, that's what the gen the younger generation is like. Oh, you showed something else. Like you normalized something that was per- perhaps taboo in some antiquated way. Totally. I was like I you know everybody in my family wanted BMWs and Mercedes, and I wanted a Honda Civic, mm-hmm. and like I was the only person with a Japanese car in the family, and then all of a sudden like. There's Toyotas. There's Honda. Yeah. I was. They, everyone made fun of me for the Honda for a mm-hmm. while, and then it was like, that's no, a great sensible car. <laughs> like, yeah. what's the problem? I don't. Oh, it's gonna last for twenty years. Yeah. Sure. I don't want a BMW. I just know. I don't like. I can't have a BMW or Mercedes because I'm Persian. Like, yeah. I just can't. Like, right. I love those cars so much. Like, I obviously can't have a Mercedes because that's like would be the douchiest sure. thing with. Uh, my, by, it's not even my birth last name, but um, it's it, not. Nah, that's a whole other. Did, story. That didn't even occur to me. No, yeah. it's not. It was yeah. like I. That was a decision I made when I moved out here, mm-hmm. and like it's my legal name now. But Ben's was not my birth last right. name. It took me like four four years to decide on a name. Uh, that's a fascinating process. Yeah, it was crazy. It was it was a very long. It was like I had a bunch of shorts in fast. <clears throat> excuse me, in um, film festivals, and I met this producer. And then started asking other producers, and he had made a bunch of movies at that mm-hmm. point. And he was like, "You got to change your fucking name. You're not going to get any work in this town with your last name." Do you, do you believe? Did you believe that, or do you still believe that? Um, there. It's funny. At that time, I believed it because this was like 2003. Mm-hmm. So this is like lead up to the Iraq War. My birth last <clears throat> last name is very Islamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Muslim. Like yeah. I, you know, I have a couple like relatives that. I think I have family that are, but, like, I've never seen anyone, like, like, get on the ground and pray. I know an aunt that does it mm-hmm. or a couple of aunts that do it. And, like, in my household, I think my parents are, like, they don't eat pork. And then, like, but the only time I ever saw a Quran is, like, if somebody was, like, sick or dying right. and they're dusted off to, sure. like, pray or whatever. Yeah. But, um... But I have this, this very Islamic last name that I hated growing up because no one knew how to pronounce it. Right. And it was like I hated signing it because it was really hard to sign. And, yeah. um, and at that time, I was like, he told me, and I was like, okay, look, this guy understands the industry. Uh, and then I looked up my last name on IMDb, and it'll show you like similar last names. And like even last names that were similar to mine, like the highest job was like second assistant sound mixer. Huh. And what I was thinking at that point was like, okay, I'm not I'm not here to change the world. Mm-hmm. I just want to make comedy. Yeah. I'm already entering a pretty impossible industry to find success in. Yeah. I don't need another obstacle. Like it's already gonna be hard. I can't let my name like stop me because that's insane. Like I just thought it was ludicrous. Yeah. So, so then I literally was like, I would ask strangers what they right. thought. I'd be on a flight and be like, what do you think? Okay, here's my first name. What do you think should be a last name? And like, I would write them down. And I mean, it was years and years of me trying to think of names. That sounds like a fascinating process and, too. That's, I mean, in some capacity, you're talking about your parents fleeing from Iran, but that also sounds like a really interesting narrative. It was insane. Well, I remember I, I asked my father and my grandfather, who was my mom's uh, dad, permission and I explained what I was doing and they were basically like go make your money like I get it like we you know obviously I don't want you to lose the last name but like what are you going to do you can't yeah. change the system so which shocked me because I did not think they wow. were going to they were going to say that I mean I was an adult I could have done it anyways but I felt like I had to talk to them yeah I think that's the the I don't know the the honorable thing to do I yeah. suppose yeah um, so that's also interesting like to give that perspective like that you thought they were going to be more 
hubristic or something. I thought, you know, also I think this life of not being a very like accepting of my own culture I thought they were going to be like well here he goes again like right. he doesn't like this he won't right. eat the food like and then now he doesn't want the last name yeah. um, but yeah it was like literally years and years and it just like Ben's came in literally from my brother he had hmm. he saw a business card of a guy with the last name Ben's he thought it was funny his boss needed was trying to get this investor to call him back and the guy wouldn't call back so my brother like pretended Ben's was his last name and called and mm-hmm. was like this is Sean Benz from so-and-so. They called back within a minute, like, can we speak to Sean Benz? Like, the name scared them. Wow. And then this guy who they've been trying to get a hold of for like two, three weeks, all of a sudden called back within a minute because they were like, they hadn't heard this name before yeah. and it was scary. So he's like, what about Benz? And I was like, dude, that's the flashiest name. Like, that's not me. Like, that's stupid. No way. No way. And like another year went by. And I was like, I had, I literally, dude, I, I found the notebook when I moved like a few years ago. Like it was pages of mm. last names, like uh, my name and the last name and everything looked yeah. ludicrous. And, um, and the whole time I was like, I have to do this, but I hate that I have to do this. This is so stupid. But like, whatever. I, if that point, the audience is not going to, you know, I also knew that the online was about to become a thing. And mm-hmm. if my last name was going to make someone not want to watch a sketch. Yeah. That's insane. That's, so that's I was crazy. like, well, whatever. I'll just play the game. Lots of people change their names for this industry. So um, I went camping with some friends, and we did mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And then that night, I just had a notebook that I was scribbling in. Ben's popped in my head. Like, at first, I hadn't even thought about it since my brother told me. Because right. I, like, laughed so hard when he pitched it. And I was like, it's kind of a cool name. And I started yeah, writing it. I started cool. signing it. And then, like, found the notebook, like, a couple days later, and I was like, actually, it's kind of good. And I like, like, the two-syllable, one-syllable, the rhythm of that. And it was so easy to sign it and was like, ah, this is kind of cool. And then I waited, I think it was almost another year before I pulled the trigger. Because it was still like, well, this is forever. Like, I can't, what am I going to do? And then finally I was like, no, I'm going to do My gut was like, just do it. And then, like, literally legally changed it. Last name became my middle name. Um... And I, like, forget about it until I get, like, a Facebook request from, like, someone from high school that are like, are you payment? Wow, are you that's like? And then, yeah. like, if I haven't seen someone in 20 years since high school, and now they're like, he's in Hollywood, he's directing TV shows, and his last name is Ben's, they're like, oh, he turned he's, into, wow. like, a piece of garbage. He's a like, monster. Yeah, he's the worst guy ever. So what is it uh, like doing uh, Blow with Brody Jenner, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's insane. I feel like you know, if I you know, once I have kids, I feel like I'll probably give them the birth last name because sure. Ben's doesn't. It's nothing. It's like I made my own like branch off the tree. There's no, yeah. there's no pride. That's kind of cool name, though. Like, I think that's such a fascinating process, and it's also interesting that to uh, for you that uh, you immediately equated that with like um, opulence. Yeah. Because like to me, I didn't even think of that. I just it sounded like if you would been like. Payment Cadillac. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, Cadillac okay. is ridiculous. But like yeah. Ben's, I don't even equate with Mercedes somehow. I don't oh, know. I just think it's just like a fucking cool name. Well, that, thank you. But the weird thing is like I can't now I can drive a Mercedes and then it's mm-hmm. almost weirder for me to drive a BMW because there's the Beamer Benz thing seems sure. like a weird thing. And it sucks because like those are incredible vehicles. Yeah. Like they're very good. Like those are the only, when my relatives had BMWs, I felt like, I felt like Mercedes were for old people. Sure. They and all my cool cousins had BMWs. Uh, but then now I'm like, I can't go to a BMW dealership with my last name. Like, all of a sudden, like, they're all going to gather yeah, whistles around. whistles would go off. Oh, we did it. Yeah. We yeah. won. Yeah, we converted them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 
I have to stick to yeah. Japanese cars. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, great. They're, they're a great car. I yeah. feel like I uh, I got you off track a little bit because we were talking oh, no. about uh, you being a trailblazer with uh, getting a dog for the first time. Yeah. We got into name stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The dog, so, uh, so it was, uh, I got my two-year degree in college mm-hmm. and then I knew I wanted to work in comedy. So I like didn't really give a shit about school. I was an idiot. I was like, I'm gonna work in comedy. I don't know if I'm gonna. At that time, I wanted to be a standup, right? Because I just loved Sandler and I loved every. Yeah. You know, I was did you, way into. Did you do standup for a while? I did it for like maybe half a year, but it was like open mics up That's in the still Bay Area. Cool, man. I did it once, and I wish I would have done more. It was it was it was fun. I never bombed. I like did okay. I mm-hmm. you know I think if you would say I killed maybe three times ever. Okay. But it was and like half a year. That feels like a pretty high batting average. Yeah, but I couldn't get over the, like the anxiety the forty eight hours before the performance. Sure, I couldn't get it. Once I got on stage, I was fine. But it was always like I'm. I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna go get Jack in the Box. Go home. Get stoned mm-hmm. and not think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so got my two year degree. I wasn't really like. I was like, whatever. I'll figure out comedy. And then I like met this girl, and then. Like within a couple of months, it's like I'm gonna go move in with her. So I like mm-hmm. moved out of my parents' house and went and lived with this girl. And like the first decision was like I'm getting a dog. Yeah. And found my. It was like it was a Yahoo Classified ad. This was oh, this boy. was 2000. So sure. like Yahoo Classified was like it wasn't Craigslist. It wasn't that shady. It was mm-hmm. like a little. People hadn't the internet hadn't gotten gross uh, this gross. Yet. No, no, no. You had to like look for gross shit. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm looking for cheeseburgers. How did I get a vagina? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I found this like ninety something year old man in Grants Pass, Oregon, who like bred AKC pugs and would only sell to families. And where everybody was selling him for like a grand, he was like three hundred fifty bucks. Mm. And as long as you it's not a, for a pet shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like, I call him and he goes, Oh, I just had a litter that was born on the 4th of July. Like you get first choice if you send a deposit. So I sent a deposit, got a first choice. He said, I still have the picture of like the, the M1, M2. And I picked my dog cause he had the biggest head and he like looked like he wasn't paying attention. And I was like, that's my guy mm-hmm. and picked him, drove up to Oregon. Cause wow. I, I wanted to see like where he was, I just want to make sure it was like a, a good living situation. Sure, sure. Like, and it was like pug heaven. It was like 50 pugs. They had like all the cu- the the breeding pairs like in their own little areas. And like I met his mom, my dog's mom, That's and his nice. uncle. It's, it so was you amazing. Tell him what his family was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I remember as soon as I got him, some, it was like I felt like I grew up in that mm-hmm. moment because it was like I'm now responsible for this little guy. Yeah. And then was with that girl for I think another like year and a half we broke up I obviously kept him and then then like in the middle of all that when I was just like working weird odd jobs where I was like what am I doing and like I stopped doing stand up because I'm like this is just a bummer and like every comic I met was like sad and I didn't know that side of comedy like I just like knew the comedy that I watched and to me it was all fun and, and you like see the sausage getting made, you're like, no. Oh, and gross. people were like, "Wait till you have a drug problem." And I was like, "What? what? Like, aren't we? Ha- like, we were talking earlier about like I I've been doing it this long. I still laugh at stuff. And there's all these yeah. guys that were jaded. Yeah, that's so, a bummer, man. You gotta try to hold on to like just, that little kernel of yeah, like, joy. Our job is silly. Like it's hard. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're connoisseurs. We look at you. I can sometimes I can look at something and say that's funny without laughing, but that's because I'm thinking about it. Sure. But like. I will laugh. I'm a giggler. I will break takes from behind monitor. Yeah. Like I'm bad about that. Yeah. 
Um, because it's not lost on me how absurd my job is. Like, it's absurd. I drive to work and I'm like, all I think about is the people that are in traffic around me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't complain. Like, I don't know where this guy or this woman's going. Yeah. They Maybe they have a job they hate. And like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't even, I have to do a lot of the mental work on set, but I don't have to do the physical shit. Yeah. I'm not there like doing makeup on the actors at 4 a.m. or yeah. whatever. And I'm not there like lugging equipment. I'm just like, Loading hey guys, do this. Three hours after everybody else. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I go there, like, especially in television where it's like, you know, as a director, like, you're just kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, it's almost like you're a traffic cop. Like you're, yeah. you're making decisions, but you're not really making decisions. You're just yeah. making sure that the sh- the audience watches the show and doesn't go. That's a weird episode of this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so I was like, so I, I was living with this girl, and all of a sudden I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I don't want to do stand up. I want to just write. I'm going to write because I realized my ideas were more stories than right. they were just like bits. Like I, that just wasn't my what I was into. And then a buddy of mine showed me The Big Lebowski, and that's when it flipped. And I was like, I'm going to write and direct. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I've never seen a comedy that looked cool. Like, it was just, I just, I just never seen that packaging on something that was also funny. And then went and uh, applied for San Jose State because it was Mm -hmm. down the street. And I called, and I was like, Do you guys have cameras you check out to the students? I was like, They were like, Yeah. I was like, Great. That's all I needed to know. Wow. And I also, like, didn't want to go to San Francisco State or Academy Art. I don't want to be around a bunch of, like, pretentious right. dicks. Like, I just want to make yeah. like, dumb shit. So, went to school. Uh, I was I, ch- I became a film major and then, like, started shooting stuff. And then... and I, But at the same time, I have this dog that I'm taking care of. Right. And, like, it was like no one else had a dog. Like, none of my friends there, like, had dogs. Well, I think it's also an interesting thing, like... When you're, I mean, it's like when the first person gets married, the first person that get has kids, and it's like it kind of normalizes it. But like, the first person gets a dog, it's like that's such an adult thing to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I would like take him to school. I'd have him at my shoot sometimes, mm-hmm. and like everybody, his name was Dude. Everybody loved Dude, and he yeah. was like the he was so great. He was such a sweet little guy, and uh, so I had him, and and you know I finished school, and then I like had some job at a dot com company for a while uh, after graduating, and then one day I was like. I'm, what am I doing? I'm going to yeah. LA. And like leap of faith, like a month later, moved to LA. And it was really hard at first. I had had stuff in film festivals. Like I already like, I had an inkling already that I was going to do something in comedy. And I was like, you know, I was like, okay, I'll I want to write and direct. But if I end up an editor, if I end up a network executive, like whatever, as long as I'm like around comedy, yeah. like I can't be too picky because there's a million people that want the job yeah. I want. So I came out here and the interesting thing was like to come out here not knowing anyone. I had one buddy that was like editing trailers that from right. college. I was the only right. person I knew. But I immediately I had this little creature that I had to take care of. So it like grounded everything I had to do. Like it it kept me in line hmm. constantly. And it like you know, I I was broke as shit my first like you sure. know, 8 or 9 years here and like I had credit card debt. The only debt were his medical. Anything medical with him I was putting on a credit mm-hmm. card. And it was like every time I would like, oh, I scored like a branded gig with Funny or Die. Yes, something would happen to him. And right. then like I had to pay. And it was like, okay, well, this is happening because like if it didn't happen, if I didn't get this gig, I wouldn't have been able to pay for it. But it always like no matter the ups and downs that you have in L.A., it didn't matter. I would come home and there'd be this like happy little dog there. Yeah. So like – 
there's I could have gone to some really dark places and I didn't because of him. Maybe there's moments where your mind goes sure. places and you're like, am I ever gonna get there? Am I always gonna? Am I gonna be shooting low budget sketches the rest of my life? Like I don't want to do this. Um, and it also the interesting thing was because I had this dog to take care of, my, I I lived a responsible life. Like I'm not much of a drinker to begin mm-hmm. with, but but. Uh, like I, if I went out to a bar and meet up with friends, or I went to the improv, like I would leave before, you know, I was leaving before midnight or whatever because I'm like, yeah. well, I want to go take my dog out, and like it does it keep you kept, grounded, like it, yeah, and it made me be responsible. Where it was like, and you know, I would go work, I'd come home and spend time with my dog, and then like, uh, like a couple years after I moved here, I had a relationship for like nine months and it was all right. And then after that relationship, I was like, I'm focusing on work. And I'm taking care of my dog because he was getting older at that point. And I was like, I don't want to like not have time with him. So I like the last few years, he passed away about two and a half years ago. The last like two years before he passed, I pretty much shut down my social life. Like I hung out with some friends here and there, but like I wasn't going to parties anymore. I wasn't going to the improv. I wasn't doing that because it was like all, all I thought in my head is like, I don't know how much more time I have with this guy. I'm just going to spend time with him because I don't want to regret it later. And also, he was just great to be around. He was just an awesome, weird, little, funny pug. And um, he was hilarious. And uh, so it, it... I honestly don't know what I would have done here without him. Like, I, if I didn't have that responsibility, and I don't want to say burden, but it was like this thing I had to take care of, and it made me work harder. It made me, like... I would be shooting and editing... 10 things at once when I probably should have been doing four because I was like, well, this person's going to pay me 500 bucks to edit and this person's paying me 200 bucks to AD on the shoot and then this sketch is paying me a thousand bucks and that pays for rent and some food and like if anything happens to him, like I'll have some. Yeah. So like it made me work harder. Um, it changed my whole experience out here. And then like the like any down moments I would have and I realized very quickly that LA is very up and down like oh my god one month up one like one month I'm like I have no idea how I'm going to pay rent in two months or next month or next week and then the next month I'm like oh I just got like a cool check I'm going to eat out twice a week and by eat out I mean like Paquito Moss or Sharkies or something not bad which is like a big thing just a little more just a little more Mm -hmm. and um and I was like, oh my God, I'm killing it. And, uh, uh, but then I realized very quickly, oh, the ups and downs are always gonna be there. So when I'm down, I, I, when I hit downs, I don't let myself get too down because I know it's gonna go up again. Right. And then when things are great, I, I don't get too excited because I'm like, well, at some point it may go back down. So For just sure. don't get ahead of yourself. Don't go buy a boat. Don't go do like anything. I mean, I can't buy a boat. But, I don't um, think that that's like yeah. the metric of success. Yeah, I don't know. I got a boat. Yeah, Fuck, you I, fucking I, made I've never, yeah. And I also have no idea how much boats yeah. are. So I probably, there's no way I can afford a boat. Um, get a dinghy, man. Get maybe a dinghy. Yeah. Maybe a dinghy. Um, Become a rower. Yeah, I can be a rower. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. Couple, how much are rows? Are they expensive? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's what breaks Everything the bank. Because the yeah. rows are like yeah, yeah. twenty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the Chris uh, Rock bit, like the bullets. The bullets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but there were, you know, every now and then you hit a down point, and I would get depressed for like a month or whatever. And a pre and like, I'll say this: I would never actually hurt myself. But there's those times where career gets so where you're like, am I ever going to get to that point? And what also would kill it would hurt would be like people would be like 
dude, like, how come you haven't got a movie by now? It's crazy that you don't have a show by now. That shit got in my head. I didn't have expectations of myself, but, like, when everyone is like, crazy that you haven't done this and this guy's done this, and I'm like, I wasn't even thinking that. Like, yeah, I was like, thanks, man. I'm happy to shoot dogs making out for free. Yeah. It's great. But it's just like, it's crazy that people have no understanding of how things work. Like, no. like hey, have you ever seen. Um, you ever seen Breaking Bad? You should write for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Thank you. Good it's stuff. Insane. It's mm-hmm. insane. So, but I, but when I would hit those, there was like a, a couple specific points where I was really down. And again, I would never, I remember even as a kid being like, I don't think I could ever kill myself because I feel like the moment when it's about to happen, I'd be like, oh my God, what am I doing? And yeah. then it's like too late. And also everything sounded painful. Yeah. And like, I remember being a kid, like a teenager and I was like, that's it, I'm done. And I like wanted to do it. But like that year, Ken Griffey Jr. was on pace to break Roger Maris's then home run record. And I was like- That was the strike, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to miss this. And yeah, like literally, yeah. That it was like these little things. Yeah. I'm like, I want to see who wins the World Series. And then it was like, I wasn't serious about that yeah. myself. But what always would make me stop even thinking that was, I would visualize everybody in my life hearing the news. Mm-hmm. And the the one, I mean, obviously my parents, it destroyed me to even imagine them. It was my dog. Yeah. It was dude. It was like, okay, let's say I. And this is so morbid, but let's say I I I slip my wrist in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, my ro- my ro- yeah my roommate finds out in two three hours or I don't know when who knows when he figures out something's weird. Uh, you know if I put a note I don't know what I would have done, but my thought was, dude's gonna be right outside the bathroom door waiting for me to come out. Yeah, and then when the paramedics have to come get me, he's gonna try to follow me out, and he's not gonna know where I went. Yeah, and he's literally what made me even stop that pattern of thinking. And again, this was like a one month. This happened like I had like a, almost one month of feeling like this, probably like six seven years ago, and then like the first year I was out here, and it was literally him that made me go, "What are you doing? Like that dog? What's what's yeah. what would he do without me? Like." He, like, did not do well when I wasn't around. His health would always decline if I was gone for, like, a week, if I had to go shoot something or whatever. So um, he literally, like, you know, I've been very fortunate. And I get to work on a lot of cool shit now. I don't think I would have got to this point if I didn't have, like, the responsibility of him is, like, love and all that stuff. I don't think any of that would have happened if I didn't have that dog. Right. Like, those first eight years out here, like... Well, it gives uh, you perspective. It gives you something larger, bigger than yourself. Yeah. It makes you be a little less selfish. It makes you... I mean, just like in the smallest term, like, oh, that broke my heart. I can't leave this this guy alone. Totally. It's just like, it's such an interesting, I don't know, like palate cleanser just like knocks you out of your fog. Totally. And what's weird is like, he got... Like, at the, he was 14 and a half, so he had a long, long life. Yeah, my pup's 14 right now. He's 14? 14 and a half, yeah. Oh, he looks young. He looks... I saw a picture looks, the other day. He looks pretty good. Yeah, he looks I mean, good. he's a, t- a tinier pup. Okay. And he's also think he's got some good genes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's got, like, even now, I was saying earlier when you got here, like, he's had some butt issues. So oh, he's had right. to wear the cone on and off for, like, a month. Oh, really? And okay. you can tell it's just, like, even that, like, depresses him a little bit. Because he doesn't understand, what is this thing? Why is this happening? Right, exactly. And it's a fucking bummer. You're like, just like, don't, I want to just say, like, don't. Don't lick your butthole. Right. And you don't have to wear this. Then we can be good. And yeah, no, yeah. You want to? <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the tough thing with him was like in this last couple years, he went completely deaf, and his vision was pretty. Like left eye was cataracts, light and mm-hmm. shadows is all he saw. Right eye, 
Like he saw stuff close and I could tell it was like a sliver. Like he was afraid of going up and down steps sure. in the last couple of years. So like in his last year, I moved, which you're not supposed to do when a dog is not yeah. seeing well. But I like was in a situation where it was like, it's time for me to move. And, and I was so scared because I also got like all new furniture. Like there was no smells from the old place yeah. to the new place besides the beds and all that stuff. I wrapped every table, chair leg, every edge, everything was wrapped in bubble wrap for like, because I was like, I don't know what he's going to bump into because he doesn't yeah. know this world. He never bumped into anything. Oh. It was crazy. He was so, he figured it out very quickly. Yeah. And um, so, the, so then that last year that he was around, it was like, I was constantly medicating his eyes and his ears and you know, he had like, you know, ear infections that ended up leading to the deafness and like, you know, he would have like a limp that slowly right. would come and go and because they all get this weird fracture right here from jumping up and down yeah. off stuff. They all get it. Yeah. And what, so, and then I start like, I started working at Jimmy Kimmel Live in like two, end of 2013 and then that's when like, you know, I was gone for eight hours a day yeah. and like, you know, I would have shoots where I was gone sporadically but like, I could tell that was bugging him that like I wasn't there. I had a walker go there every day and take care of him and take him out. And I had a roommate that would that would help. Um, and then it was like, so I had that job and then like moved and then and then I went and directed some sketches on the last season of Key and Peel. Mm -hmm. And I sensed at that point, my intuition was like, oh, your career's up. Something's about to shift. Mm -hmm. And so did Key and Peel. And in the middle of Key and Peel. Uh, he he was having like like uh, butt issues but it was like going like he was having trouble going right, right. and uh, took him to the vet and it was he had a, a cancer mm -hmm. in there and I was like okay so let's have a surgery and, and take so they had a surgery and the next day I had to film so like I had a sitter right. with him all day and I was like texting her like every 10 minutes like freaking out they got rid of it and it was right. and then all of a sudden he was like super spry mm -hmm. and then like a month later I saw the signs come back and yeah. then I was like okay I'm just being selfish at this point because like he, this is brutal on him like this dog can barely see he can't hear he is happy he was super happy yeah. and then it was like so we did Key and Peele and then they brought me on to the Key and Peele Super Bowl special and while we were in pre-production my back got so messed up like, and I don't have back problems normally. I had a knot so bad in the middle of my back that, like, I would wear a heating pad, like, all day long. Mm. Like, I would just keep replacing it. And I remember Keegan being like, dude, buddy, you're back. And it was, like, it was horrible. And I remember a buddy coming to my house to, like, borrow a movie. And, like, I was hunched over. I literally couldn't Oof. stand. And then, like, I put a tennis ball on the ground to, like, roll on. Mm -hmm. And I got stuck on my side on the oh, ground because Jesus. I couldn't do anything. And looking back, I realized my body was sensing something was about to happen. Yeah. And then... There's a subconsciousness in it. Your body will manifest stress and, like, the weird, the weakest point. Like, that's where we're getting you. Yeah. And, yeah. like, and, and you know, and him and I were so connected. Like, we were so... I mean, and everybody is with their pet. Sure. But we were so bonded at that point. And, <clears throat> and then there was, like, a week leading up to our shoot where... Like he just couldn't, like he was having, he was just going all over the house, like, and he never had that problem. Not even as a puppy, he yeah. had that problem. And it's funny when they're like, a puppy and it happens, you're like, I'll teach him. After a couple of years, you're like, it's bad. And then when they're old, you're like, everyone I know those old dogs, like, yeah, my dog shit everywhere. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so there was like, he was having it every day, and I was like, I would leave the office early because I just had like a bad feeling that week. And then I come home one night, and he had 
basically gone everywhere. And then I took him out, and it was like anything I fed him within ten minutes, it was like it was bad. Like mm-hmm. the, I mean, it was bad yeah. what yeah. was happening. So this one night, I I already knew it because that day I called the producer. I go, I can't come back to the office. He goes, Why? And I like couldn't talk because I was like, like I was I couldn't even cry. It was like nothing was coming right. out of my mouth. Right. So then I was like, I'll text you. And I text like him. verbalizing it makes it somehow real. Yeah. yeah. So I text him. I'm like, something's up with my dog. I'm not coming back today. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this remotely today. And he was like, he had a dog. He understood. So then that night, like it kept happening. And at one point he like coughed in his sleep and it happened. And then I like washed his bed and he like, so he would have, because he didn't see well, he had this path. He would walk this path around the coffee table that, like, led to his bed. Mm-hmm. He kept doing it trying to find his bed. Mm-hmm. And it, like, broke oh, my Jesus heart. Christ, yeah. So I, like, got the bed from the bedroom and put it in there and, like, put blankets and pill. I made this, like, fortress for him. Yeah. And he, like, loved it and laid down. And then he went and got water at one point, And I looked over at him and I was like, he's done. Like, yeah. he's exhausted. And, like, I always said I, like, I'm like, I don't know how I could ever do it. But it was something just came over me where I was like, no, this is his time. And I was totally calm about it. And I knew that like everything in me wanted to like grab him and hold him and kiss him and like talk to him all night. But I was like, if he senses my panic, yeah, he's already at this point with his stomach right now that like that could trigger him. And yeah. he, he also had a cough that came up that week because of the cancer. So I was like, I can't, I can't even let him know that anything's going on. Yeah. So I have to stay calm. So I just had a really calm night with him. I remember putting him down in bed. I remember looking over him at one point and being like, I want to go over there, but I can't because if I would pet him, he would get excited and start coughing and then it was a big thing. So I I literally just had to be silent that night. And then the next morning, I knew it was going to happen. I took him out in the morning. It happened again. And I was like, okay, took him to the vet. And like the vet like looks at him and she's trying to act like everything is fine. Then she's like, okay, well, you know, we can give this this medication, this medication, keep him overnight. I'll have him bring in a, uh, like an estimate. And I didn't say anything. She left. They brought an estimate. I was like, just bring her back in here. Mm -hmm. And she like came back in and it was like, I just had to just say it and get it over with. And I was like, nothing you do is going to work. Nothing's going to work. I've been through this a thousand times with you guys. I've spent... I, in the end, I don't know. I probably ended up spending 50, 60 grand yeah, on for sure. vet bills over the years. More because he had yeah. eye surgeries. He had a lot of stuff. For a broke guy, it was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And um, even for a not broke guy, it's a lot of money. Um, and uh, and then she's like, so what are you saying? I'm like, I'm saying. She goes, are you saying? And I was like, yes. Don't say it out loud, but that's what I'm saying. And then she's like, and then all of a sudden this like, not a facade. She wasn't being fake, but she has to like be nurturing sure. and be this vet she like dropped that act and just as a person was like you're making the right decision like i like never saw that side of her before so i was like okay so she like i had to like sign this thing and that's why you want to hear that you just want like especially i'm interrupting you but like as somebody you know uh, for a long time i've been in the same position of just being single and going through stuff when you don't have like someone to bounce shit off of you just want like someone to be like hey this is good. Right. You're okay. Yeah. And it's just like that is just like, ugh, that's just like a hug in that moment. Yeah. And I couldn't like, the, all I was saying in that moment is like, oh my God, I have to tell my parents who basically he was like a grandchild to them. Sure. Like they were obsessed with him and uh, like they still, they still talk about him to this day. And, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I, I think it's time to do it. So then she goes, okay. So they like take him and they, you know, they do the process, they bring him back. And then, uh, 
So then she's like, all right, here's a blanket. You can put him on the blanket, whatever. And I was like, I'm holding him. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? I'm going to just lay him on a freaking bed. So I'm like holding on to him. And then, you know, she they do like this injection. And then she goes, I'll leave you alone. And I'm just like, even though he can't hear me, I'm just talking to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about memories and everything I had yeah, with him. It was because I had to honor him. Yeah. It was like, I have to honor this guy in this moment because I could not do it. Like he, 14 years, this... He saved my life. I don't know, literally. I don't know. Again, I don't think I would have done anything. But, like, the life I have today is because of this dog. Yeah. So I was there with him for minutes. And then she goes, and then she goes, when you're done, I'll let you have your time. You can just leave him on the table and then, like, we'll come. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to come and get you. Someone has to get him from my... I'm not going to just leave him in the fucking room. This is crazy. So I was with him for probably, like, 20 minutes and then like after it was it was done and then I called her and she came in and like the people at the vet I mean I'd been going there nine years they knew him so like two of the girls at the front desk came up crying like because they all everyone fucking loved that dog so then crazy thing is there was a there was a tech scout that day for that shoot and I and like somebody tried to FaceTime me while this was happening to be like hey is this the direction you want to shoot in and I just like texted I was like I'm putting my dog down. I'm not answering any questions. Like, I'll talk to you guys in a few hours. Like, you make the decision. Ask yeah. the DP, whatever yeah. he wants. So then, like, did that, drove home just, like, in a daze. And then, like, came home. Like, one of my neighbors who, like, loved him saw me just holding his leash. And, like, his this doll I got him the first day I got him, which was, like, I always would take it. If, if he didn't like being in the car, so, like that's what would comfort him she knew right away when she saw me holding these two things and then I went in the house as soon as I closed the door I fucking collapsed I like lost my shit and then this was like 9 in the morning at 11 we had a production meeting that I had to call into Mm -hmm. because I couldn't go there physically and like no one could say anything so it was like I get on the call and it's on speakerphone and Keegan and Jordan are like Hey, buddy. And, like, I can sense everybody feeling bad. And it was, like, I felt I felt worse for them than they felt for me. Yes. So, like... That's a lot of mourning as you're dealing with other people's feelings. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Keegan had recently gone through the same thing. And Jordan had a young dog. He still has a dog. But it was, like, he had his dog for not that long at that time. And, like, there was a million dog owners on that production. So, like, we have this meeting. And everyone afterwards was, like, I don't even know how you did it. And I was, like, I had to, like, distract myself. It's almost better sometimes. Just, like, keep busy. Because, like, you just gonna, you can't you can only lay in the fetal position for so long yeah Yeah. and then so this was Friday Monday we shot Mm -hmm. so like three days later I have to go shoot this thing Mm -hmm. and it's one of the rare things I did where I go back and look at it and I'm like I don't even remember shooting this Mm -hmm. and I remember like I remember being in kind of a daze that day and everybody being like on eggshells around me everybody was being like overly sweet and then my parents were visiting my brother uh, and his wife and their children who were in Orange County mm-hmm. we were shooting in Long Beach and they were like we'd love to see you and I was like oh I can I have to oh wait I can yeah and it was the weirdest feeling to be like oh I can what the hell I don't the, the first thing that I realized after he passed was like what do I do with all this extra time I would take him on five walks a day I was medicating him three times a day now I had like Three, two, three hours every day where I didn't know yeah. what to do with myself. So, but the crazy thing is, so beyond all that, the day, I'm going to go back. The day he passed, um, for years I wanted to get into half hour shows and eventually movies and for years dealt with like, well, you do three minute stuff. Can you do a 21 minute thing? And I'm like, it's the same fucking job. Yeah. Like, it's just You're still covering stuff. I'm still like, You're I'm still, still telling still, a story. I'm yes. just doing a smaller scale. Um, 
I was just, I th- I just they're all so panicked to hire anybody new. And um, the, the, the showrunners of Key and Peele, uh, Ian Roberts and Jay Martell, were then going to be showrunners on this new show called Teachers that was on TV. Yeah. Land. And they, I ran into them, uh, you know, one of them like a few months before due passed, and they were telling me, oh, the show got picked up. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they had me meet the girls, and the girls liked me. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, we, you know, they're considering you to direct the season. And everyone was like, it's a long shot. It's probably not going to happen. A whole season to a guy who's never done a half hour. Like, I did uh, one of Evan Garrett's pilot presentations. Yeah. That was 15 minutes. Yeah. So I was like, and that was like five, you know, six, seven years before or whatever. So, or six years before. So I was like, this won't happen. And like an hour or two after he passed, I got offered the job. Mm. And I remember thinking when I was meeting for it, like, what am I going to do with him during these two months of production? Like, I can't leave him at home every day. Right. The set's going to be stressful, a new place, and he can't hear and he doesn't see very well. And like, I don't think it's a coincidence that he passed. And it was like, basically, he got me to that point. Because it, it just, the timing is too crazy. Because all I kept thinking was like, what am I going to do? Uh, what happens if I ever get a movie? And it was literally like the day he passed, he was like, okay, you're ready now. You don't need me yeah. as a responsibility anymore. And then, which was insane. It was weird when they called me and I like wasn't excited on the phone. And then I had to sure. like email my agents and manager to be like, hey, I know we've been talking about this for eight years and I didn't show any excitement. This is why. Right. And they understood at that point. And then, so then... I had like, two, I think two months before shooting, two months before, he passed in January of, of uh, 2015. So then I like, I hadn't gone on a vacation since 2003 when he was two years old. Right. I took a little, like a two week trip to Italy after a breakup. I was like, I'm going to Italy. And I went to Sounds Italy. great. So, but I had taken no trips since then. Uh, I went to New York for two days so I could go to a game at the old Yankee Stadium before they closed it. Right. But it wasn't really a vacation. Yeah. So... I was like, where should I go? Where should I go? I want to go somewhere serene. Because everyone loved him. I used to post pictures of him. Mm-hmm. He used to be in my old yeah, sketches. Yeah, I loved it, man. He had, like, fans. Like, people, like, I they was, didn't know him. I was him. a fan like, of dude. Yeah, everyone I didn't even him. know you that well. At. Really? That's, yeah. That's great. Everyone loved it. Yeah. And everyone, like, so many people specifically were like, go to Kauai. Go to Kauai. That's it's where best. you need to go. And I had yeah. never been to an island. I had never been to Hawaii. So I was like, okay. And it was like, my gut was like, go to Kauai. So I, like, set up this trip. And it was like, this is my trip of healing. This mm-hmm. is what these five days are going to be. And I stayed in like a really great hotel. Mm-hmm. And I never stayed in like a nice hotel before. And one time, Dan Levy and I once were flown up to San Francisco for some weird crackle event. And they like sure. put us up overnight at the Four Seasons. Sure. And flew us first class. And it was like... There was no need for it. Like, we all we did was talk to each yeah, other that don't night. Question and it was though. like, yeah, so it was like, yeah. this was the second time I had been in a nice hotel yeah. where I was the guest. And um, and it was a very healing trip. Like, I basically, like, learned everything about the island. I mean, it's a small... Have you been to Kauai? I have. I yeah, love it. Small it's, island. It's beautiful. I stayed in Poipu and, like, kind of learned where Hole everything was. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I learned where everything was, and then I was like, I'm just going to wing it every day. I don't want to plan anything. Mm-hmm. So every day I would just kind of like go, like one day I was driving to like Waimea Canyon and sure. in the middle of it, I was like, no, 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 I'm going to Hanalei. And then I would like go to Hanalei. I saw a farmer's market. I was like, this has got to be the best shit in the world. So mm-hmm. I'm like buying all this passion fruit and these little, those little apple bananas yeah, yeah. and stuff. That was like my breakfast every morning there. So it was all these like weird little magical things were happening. And I kept like meeting really interesting people. And then, so I have this 
buddy who was uh, on this very popular Nickelodeon show mm-hmm. for years, and he got a pug because of Dude, right? Mm-hmm. And and I remember I he had a show. We did like a uh, like a web series for Comedy Central years ago that I almost didn't do because I was going to be busy. And then like last second, I was like, I'll do this thing. He ends up getting a pug because he would come to edit with me, and he right. fell in love with Dude. And then when dude passed, he was like, dude, I feel indebted to you because you got, I got my guy because of you. Uh, you're going to Kauai. I, I can get you like a day at a spa there. I just have to tweet that the place is great because he had a lot of Twitter right, followers. Right, right. I was like, what is your life? Like, what? Sounds great. So I was Sounds like, sure. Nice. So he, he, he goes, what are your dates? I give him the dates and I go, any of these dates work. So they pick a day and it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. And like my team wasn't in there, so I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, yeah, I'll go that day. It doesn't matter. So it's at the Marriott on in Point The, the Grand yeah, Marriott. The yeah, Grand yeah, Marriott. Yeah. So I go to this spa. And it's one of those where like men and women are separated. Mm-hmm. It's clothing optional. There's like all this stuff. I walk in. The guy goes, you're the only man here today because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Sure. And I was like, this is amazing. So I had this whole place to myself. And like I'm in the garden meditating. It was unreal. And uh, like for hours, I just stayed there. And... And then I would like watch a little bit of the game. He had it on a TV. And uh, it ended up being the year where the Patriots won last minute against the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. Seahawks that interception, yeah. which the end of the game is hilarious because I left the place being like, oh, the Patriots got this. And then I'm like, I'm going to go to this Buddhist temple down the street because I just wanted to go to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving there and I'm like refreshing on my phone and I'm like, oh, Seattle's driving. Oh, mm-hmm. Seattle's going. And then like I'm about to walk into the Buddhist temple and I like refresh one last time and it was like, interception and I'm like oh I just missed the greatest Super Bowl moment in history like it was crazy who gives a shit it was just so dumb but also who cares so (laughs) so when I'm so I'm getting a massage from this girl and she she has dogs she's like why are you here I'm telling her and like she has dogs we're like talking then at the end I was like kind of thinking about getting a tattoo of my dog's name are there any do you know she goes well ask the girl at the front desk she's got uh, she's got tattoos all over her body so I go and ask this girl and I'm like, are there, you know, who's good here? And she goes, there's only two on the island, like tattoo parlors. That's bonkers. Yeah. She That's goes, you should go to place. this. You should go to this place. Um, and this guy, Jeremy, is really great. But like, you should go to this place. They're great. And I go, okay, awesome. So I was like, I'll just go there before I leave. So the next morning, I'm like, should I go? I was like, nah. The next morning, I was like, eh. And I kind of kept putting it off. And then my second to last day there, Right in front of my hotel was like a little strip of a beach that they mm-hmm. that was right in front of the property. So I would just go out there every morning and meditate for like an hour because there was nobody else around. Yeah. It was amazing. And like dolphins and whales are mm-hmm. putting on shows because it was January. So yeah. they were like really active. So literally in the middle of it, something hits me and I'm like, I'm going to get a tattoo right now. So I like get up, I walk over, I'm still in my sandals and I go to the valet guys. I'm like, I want my car. And they give me the car and I just drive straight to the place. And they had just opened, and I go, hey, man, I want to get a tattoo. And the guy goes, we're all booked today, but maybe if Jeremy gets here early. Oh, there's Jeremy. And Jeremy had just pulled mm-hmm. up, and this dude walks up, and he's a white dude. He's not a Hawaiian guy. He walks in, and he's eating his, like, a side bowl, like, living the island mm-hmm. life. And he's like, so what's up, man? He's, like, being really cool. I'm like, yeah, I want to get my dog's name tattooed on my heart, uh, and I wanted it flipped so I can read it in the mirror. Otherwise, like, why do I have yeah, it? Yeah. Why do I have a name? So he's like, oh, okay, okay, what's your dog's name? And I go, dude. And he goes, are you fucking with me? And I go, no. And he pulls his sleeve, and he's got a tattoo of his Pomeranian that passed with the name Dude underneath. That's bonkers. And it was Judy with a Y at the end. Mm-hmm. This is what we all call Dude. Mm-hmm. And the other guy working there was like, oh, shit. Like, everybody's flipping out. And he goes, 
he goes, this is because we start talking. He goes, where are you from? I'm like, LA. He's like, where in LA? I'm like, oh, I live in like Toluca Lake, like near mm-hmm. NoHo. He's like, wait, what street? And I tell him, he was born in Burbank and up until like a few months before lived like a street away from me. Like, That's crazy. If I threw a rock from my apartment, I could do damage to his old apartment. Wow. It was that close. Wow. And everybody in there is freaking out. We're like, what? And he's like, all right, I'm pushing my first appointment. We got to do this. And it's just a name. I go, that's all I want. I just want dude. That's it. So he's like, all right. So like shows me a bunch of fonts. I pick it. We like, he gives me the tattoo. And at the end, I'm like, let's take a picture. I have to show people. No one's going to believe yeah, me. Yeah. So I got a picture of my tattoo and his tattoo. And I'm like, well, we have to be friends now. Like this can't end here. So like now if he ever just, you know, he comes into work in LA sometimes and he like lets me know when he comes in town and now he's, he was in Maui. Now he's back in Kauai. Uh, it was just this weird random connection that just Mm. happened. It was like super healing. I felt a lot better. That whole trip was healing, but that moment in particular was like, well, yeah, this, he's with me. There's no way this just happened. Like, yeah, it just kept that shit kept happening there. Like it's it's one of those things that like, um, and I've talked about this kind of phenomenon on this podcast a bunch of times. But it's like a little bit how much of it is you're you recognize you're looking for things. It's like whenever you learn a new word, you hear it all the time. Yeah. Whenever you're like, I'm thinking about getting this car, then you'll see it everywhere. Right. So I think it's like there's there's something to be said. Like yes, I'm creating my own reality because I, I, that's what I'm focused on. But there's also like these kismetic things that happen right. and even if it, it is that who cares who, it's who cares nice. and it feels like it feels so healing yeah and it feels like you can mitigate the meaning of it but why right because there's not meaning anything we do has no meaning you can mitigate the meaning to anything yeah making directing a fucking sitcom writing a sitcom trying to get a movie it can all be boiled down to bullshit right exactly but it means a lot to you no so it's like, funny why take those things away I agree I listened to your episode with uh, I feel like you brought it up with Casey Wilson's yeah, episode yeah. I don't yeah. know her personally but hearing her story was yeah. like it made me think of this where I was like oh it's, like, it's those things where you're like this hat there ha- there's I feel like there's something else going on and even if it doesn't I don't care it helped it yeah. helped me in a moment where I thought I could never get over it yeah. and like it's been two and a half years I'm I'm I've, I I I've healed a lot, but it's still like you know probably once every like two months it'll still hit me and I break down or whatever. I also have this picture like everywhere in my you yeah. know my my wallpaper on my phone is still him and yeah. every room in my place has a picture of him and like I go to my parents' house and they have like literally pug figurines and shit. It's like he's just everywhere. Um, but I think that trip did a lot. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, I went and did that job and it was on that teacher show and it was it was very difficult it was it was eight weeks straight with no hiatus and just me for nine episodes crossboarding mm-hmm. for like the first half of it and I had never done anything like that and I honestly think if I didn't take that trip I don't know what would have happened on that set I probably would there probably would have been a day where I would have like been like I gotta go and like I don't know but it was like th- that trip did a lot yeah, um, man, you need to like reboot every so often. You have to, and that's what I. You're all just kind of weird organic machines, and every so often you just need to like, nope, gotta gotta clean the 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 hard drive. That and totally, and that trip is what made me realize like I gotta take more trips. I gotta take. Yeah. I gotta just even if I I notice even if I go visit my family for like Persian New Year for two days or one day. I feel totally different coming 100%. back. It really just cleanses the It's great because yeah. I just have it in me where I'm like I have to work. I'm not working. Like I didn't shoot anything from like end of January until like a couple weeks ago because it was I was just passing on stuff and then everything else was getting pushed forward and there was this panic I had for like three months where I was like 
I'm not working. What am I? And I didn't even want to watch TV shows because I'm like, like we were talking earlier about like there's so many great shows on, and especially if there's something that's ha- if it's had more than two seasons, I will not I will not watch it. Like I will not go start at the beginning and watch it because there's so much for me to watch that like three four episodes in, what takes over my brain is why am I make watching something when I should be making something? Right. There's this guilt that takes right. over me. So when I'm not working, I feel like I'm wasting my life. But then I go on a trip and I'm like, what am I doing? I need this. I'm going to be a better director if my brain is balanced. Yeah, and I think it's important to remind, like I am by and large the same way. Yeah. Um, I think like being sick for a long time made me realize like, oh, I need to slow down. I need to like take care of myself. And also... I this is a vocation. This is not a job. What I do, but it's still yeah, like totally. I, I'm doing this to live. I'm right. not living to do that. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's important to slow down. It's just like that's what that's what life is like. Getting kinder to yourself and right. kind of having perspective. Like, all right, yeah. I understand what's important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like a taste of that. I mean, it was like. I, you know, especially the first couple of years out here when you're trying to figure out like yeah. how this works and I'm like not an, I'm not a networker. I'm not a schmoozy guy. I'm not like, I'm not going to go do a, a line of coke with someone because I want, you know, yeah. that producer to like me. So it was like, I'd be in all the insanity and then just go home and it was like, oh yeah, it's just me and my dog. Yeah. Just hanging out. That I'm was just, your trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm just giving him a baby carrot and he's yeah. the happiest thing in the world. It was your totem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah. It was, it was, it was, yeah, man. I mean, I have, I have, you know, my papa's the same age too, and it's. Uh, I now split split time with him, and it's sometimes it's great because it's like a little bit what you're talking about, like oh, when your mom said you want to come down, I'm like oh, I have to. Oh wait, I don't. Yeah. And there is something that's like a little bit of relief and freeing about that because totally. you're like so you're caring for the small thing, and it's also it's not a kid. Right. It's, it means the world to you, but it's like you know there's a different. Yeah. But it is. Um, there's so many times I look back on like. He is, uh, he was abused before we got him. So he's, he's like, he's slow to warm and he's also like very independent. Right. Um, he's the best, but like, he's not like the kind of guy that follows you everywhere or like curls up with you all the time. He will, but it's not all the time. But there's still like intrinsic, like, I don't this knowledge like when I was sick somehow you recognize that when I was like really in bad shape like yeah, there was yeah. a couple of nights where like I'd be in the bathroom all night and he would just sleep right beside me right and like that's not a thing he does he's not like interesting he's not old old Dan and, or big old Dan and little Ann he's not like yeah, that yeah. he's not the red, red fern girls he's like does his own thing yeah and, and but like there's something in like this int- intuition of like oh you need me right now yeah well yeah. it's like you're there for them and I think they they recognize it yeah. they're, they're pack animals they're like you know I, I would if I was down like he was there. Yeah. I remember like in in college, I lived in this house with a bunch of people and like I got I was getting really into like meditation and things sure. like back then. And I would I had buddies who got really interested when I was you know because we were in college like no one else was like doing this stuff. And I would there was a couple times like I, I don't know how many times we did it maybe like five ten times where like like two three of my buddies and one of my no two of my roommates a couple other buddies would come in the backyard and I would literally guide a meditation and Mm. I would just kind of the stuff I learned the stuff I just I would kind of we would just do stuff and whoever was having like the toughest time this happened every single time like without fail without me even like expecting it I would forget about it when we would open our eyes, dude would be under that person's chair. Oh, wow. And, like, there was one buddy I had who specifically had a really hard time the first few times. He's just never done that. Yeah. Thinking internally was hard for him. He just he, he kind of bottled a lot of stuff and didn't really think about it. And, like, I looked over at one point and I saw him, like, grimace. Like, he was having trouble. 
And then all of a sudden, I just saw a little doggy door open, and I just see dude come out, and he just like arbitrarily just lays down under his chair. Yeah, and like, is that arbitrary, or is that just like, oh, this guy? This I, is he where knew. I need to be. Yeah, he knew. Like, I don't know. You know, any anytime someone was, he they always gravitate towards somebody who needs them, and sure. I think it's also we're there for them when he was, when he was like. Probably eight months old. I lived on this big property with that girl that I lived with, and her family. It was all these separate houses on this giant mm-hmm. property, and her grandfather was backing up his pickup truck, and he told all the dogs to move. This dude in these three big labs in Australian Shepherds. They all moved. Dude went back in the way, and he ran him over. Oh no! Yeah, and he broke like the tiniest fracture in his back left leg, like in the hip bone, and. Uh, it, and I was like horrified yeah. and like, grandpa brought him up and he was like shaking like the grandpa like loved him and uh, you know took him took him to the vet they gave him some pain medication and he ended up having a surgery and, and healed and everything but like that night when we gave him pain, pain medication he would just be in his bed like in his crate because he was still young he would just be crying and crying and crying mm-hmm. and like the girl I dated at the time this is when I knew I was going to leave her she was just like dude be quiet she like oh, yelled at on, and man. I was like what? And she goes, can you put him in the living room? And Whoa. I was like, I'm going out there with him. So yeah. I like took a pillow and I went out in the living room and I opened his crate and I put my, my hand in there like a fist and he just used my fist as like a pillow. And anytime my eyes shut, he'd start crying. So yeah. I stayed up all night because he would start to fall asleep and you know, dogs in like yeah, their yeah, eyes, sure. they want to make sure. I did that all night and I felt like something happened that night between him and I because it was just like he knew that I was there, we were there for in that moment oh, yeah. and then it was like it, he was he was like you know puppies are puppies but that moment I felt like he wasn't a puppy anymore it was like he it wasn't just like oh I love everybody it was like I love this guy and, and this then is, this is home yeah and My then it was like, where this guy is yeah and then we like yeah we moved so many I mean he yeah. I probably had like six seven homes yeah. in his in his years but he uh that night was huge. Everything changed that night. Uh, yeah, man. Which I was like, yeah, I don't understand. If somebody is like not, if you don't, I, you don't have to love dogs or animals as much as I do. Because it's like a crazy level where like that. If my Instagram is just like comedians, food accounts, and dogs, yeah. like, that's all I follow. Uh, but when someone is like, they don't give a shit about a dog. I would even if somebody came over to my place and they weren't even like interested in my dog, I'd be like, what's wrong with this yeah. guy? Like. Look how cute my dog's being right now. Like, why are you not recognizing this hilarious thing he's doing? Like, well, it's like the the Bill Murray quote. Like, I, uh, I, I, tr- I, I trust a dog who doesn't like a person, but I don't trust a, a, anybody who doesn't like a dog. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was it's, yeah, man, it's I think it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's easy to trivialize any of this, but it's like, there's something to be said when you get uh, an animal at that age and it does make you... It's like an usher to this like adulthood. Like you were like you started off as a kid, and then you were like this. I remember when we first got first got Duncan uh, coming home from work, work whatever the fuck I was doing. Like went had an interview at a magazine something, and then coming home and seeing him walking up to me, I was like, I feel like I have a family. Yeah, and it's oh, just like a right, weird yeah. thing. Like you're starting this other level of adulthood. Totally. Um, you know, we we like covered like a large pantheon here. Oh yeah. It feels like. All the all the things like with your name and Iran and dude, it's all like a little bit about identity. Oh, interesting. Um, and I always ask the question of like, what advice would you give? And I don't know how to frame that necessarily, but it feels like when you're, I don't know, trying to galvanize your identity. Like, what is advice do you have for anybody who feels like a little bit adrift or is like searching for something to 
anchor them? I, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I, I don't have like specific, like do this, do that. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that always works for me is solitude and Mm -hmm. silence. Like, especially now we're all so distracted. There's always noise everywhere. I feel like if I don't allow myself that, uh, I lose myself. Even now I'm like, if I'm too busy, if it's too hectic, like, you know, if I, sometimes I'll do like back to back shows where it's like prep one week, shoot the next sure. week, prep with a whole new group of people I've never met before. Shoot with like, I've never met this actor, and it's now I have to like tell him or her what yeah. to do. It's a it, like directing network TV is like or any TV is hard. It's yeah. really difficult, especially the back to back ones, especially. Um, that if I don't give myself that silence to just be honest with myself to be like what is going on right now what am i thinking don't bottle it what am i actually upset about right now what am i stressed out about Mm -hmm. what do i think is going on when okay if this producer is making me anxious like what is this like there's a reason this is happening is it because of something before i just think reflection helps a lot like i started doing uh tm last year Mm -hmm. like transcendental meditation so like i do it twice a day and sometimes i'm i'm bad about it about like keeping up with the schedule. But when I do it, just to give yourself 20 minutes a day, once or twice a day, I find myself better. I just feel more calm. Right. And it's like that anxiety goes away. And I think as long as you, as long as you allow yourself to be quiet and, and you can be honest in your own thoughts, you can think horrible things about yourself. I feel like people don't want to think about the negative stuff, especially if you're like anxious, like I would go through that where I was just bottling and bottling and then like start to go, no, 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 no. This is why I'm upset. Yeah. No, this is like exactly why I'm stressed out right now. Everything changed. I think just being conscious of it starts to the healing process. Well, yeah, I, mean, I like, think it's, it's a hard thing to do as you were talking about earlier. Like it's evident in the fact that you even thought about like the going down dark path of like, of contemplating suicide on whatever degree. Like that's just somebody who's like recognizing like I'm in a bad place. What are the options here? Right. And I think that's being that level of honesty allows you to get to a more evolved place. Right. And Um, there's also a thing I've just always had in me where my whole life is about playing the long game. Like I came out here and there were opportunities and things that happened where I could have taken a shortcut and had quick success and a lot like, you know, we would put sketches on YouTube before YouTube became even monetized. Right. And as YouTube started getting monetized and we started seeing people around us who were making very subpar content become yeah. millionaires. Yeah. I was like, I don't like this. I'm, I want to do what I'm doing now. I'm going to go play the longer game and just stick up with the stuff I want to do. Cause there's just a thing in me that's always like, it's going to be fine at one point. Even when I was like as broke as I could be and was like, you know, I had seven thousand dollars in debt on a credit card, which you know, when I had like almost no, you know, no money coming in. That's a lot. There was a part of me that was like, "There's going to be a day in my life where this debt will be gone and I'll be making decent money, so I'm not going to stress about it now. Yeah. I still have to like figure things out. It's not like I could just be like, I'll be good in ten years, but it was this this idea that things will be okay later caused me to like not be in a rush and then that made my anxiety go down mm-hmm. like just calm down and do this at your own pace like don't take the shortcut like if you feel like the better option is not taking this job because I'm not ready for this job I'm not going to do it and I kind of did that my whole life like everything is about just slow down just do it your own way don't don't run at it like just assess everything and then go at it like slowly um, and just to have that time to like really reflect because otherwise you just get caught up in a tornado yeah. and then like you 
you end up not knowing who you are. You're making stuff you're not happy with. Like you're all of a sudden you have this weird life. Like I could have, I could have stayed in the YouTube world and made some of those people are making like three, eight, ten, ten million dollars a year. Maybe they're happy doing the stuff they're doing, but if I was making that stuff, I wouldn't be happy, and I wouldn't be myself. I would have been like a very fake version of myself, and then you'd be painting Cadillac. Painting Cadillac, yeah, yeah, making YouTube videos, mm-hmm. like making vlogs and and unboxing uh, stuff and and showing people like what yeah what toys look like, uh, but 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 it was like no, just be like be quiet, slow down, figure out who I am and what I want to do, and and. I mean, I think it's slowing down. I think that's yeah. what I learned in Kauai. Like you probably, there was signs everywhere in Hawaii that would just say in Kauai that would just say, "Try it slow." Yeah. And I was like, that's just like a reminder on the street. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a sign that the city put in. Like that wasn't like graffiti or a sticker. Like there was a sign that was planted in the city by they got a con like. They got permits, and there's a sign that says "Try slow, try it slow." Like they remind you to slow down in Hawaii. Like, yeah, and like Buddhist parade. It's incredible, and also like, like the speed limit there is 25 everywhere, and like there's parts of the expressway that would hit 45, but it would be like that for like a quarter of a mile, and it would go down to 40. And then when you then that feels like crazy, like woo. This yeah. feels this is this is the juxtaposition at this place feels weird. Yeah, and I got into it like right away, and then I remember coming back, getting my car from the run from uh, the parking lot at L- LAX, and then having to go on the four hundred five at like eleven at night when it was like empty, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden somebody's flashing their lights. I'm like, what's this guy's problem? I look, I was going like fifty one. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, like what happened? But I was happier. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, man, I think slowing down and not being afraid to look in. Like, well, I think that's yeah. the. Great advice, and I also think it's like, in, uh, I think that's a little bit what dude represented for you, right? Like he made you slow down. Slow down, and he's a pug, so you have to slow yeah, down. He's gotta, there, he's, he's yeah, he's got to. He's only so fast he can go. My little round yeah. sausages. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Well, that's Brad, man. I really uh, thanks for chatting with me, bud. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks I really for appreciate having it. Me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. talked for a long time. I don't know. This, no, that's great. Is this that's your fantastic. longest episode? No, no, no. no okay. We've had we've had a lot of real navel gazing happen here, so okay. it's it's very good. But thank awesome. you so much, man. Yeah, thanks. Really for appreciate that. All right. I see evidence of you and him. And there you have it. Another episode in the books from the delightful Payman Benz. Uh, that guy's great. He's amazing. Uh, if you want to hear more of what's going on with him, check out all of the many, many shows he directs. Also, you can check him out on uh, Twitter to see what those shows are and when they're airing. He is at Payman Benz. That's P-A-Y-M-A-N-B-E-N-Z. Check it out. Payman Benz. Uh, thank you so much, Payman, for coming out. I really appreciate it. And Duncan appreciates the treats you brought for him. He really does. You're a sweetheart, Payman. Um, also, a special thanks going to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes, to Julia Pod and Kingdom Flying Club for doing art and music. And you know what, guys? Fuck it. The biggest thanks is to you. Because you listen to this, and that means a lot to me. And I hope you're having a great week. Okay, lots of love. <laughs>